Hey everyone, this is Patrick Robin from the SPMI podcast, and today we're going to be talking about the fear of the unknown. This is one of the bigger struggles that many athletes face, and a very common one that I personally work with, uh, with athletes at SPMI. And I really want to break down several important areas today, uh, as well as provide some solutions for how to overcome this trap. And it is a trap. In fact, we often call it the certainty trap. So what happens is when athletes are struggling with performance anxiety, a big reason why is because they feel that they need to know what will happen in the future. Now, if you heard the last podcast, I did speak a little bit about this in the sense that trying to figure out what will happen in the future is not necessary and it's also an impossibility however athletes still feel this need to to go after this and just figure this out even though they know it's not possible it's this urgency that the brain is pushing them towards that leads down this anxiety spiral that just really in a way paralyzes their performance and i want to talk about why that is well, first off, the big reason why we struggle with this as athletes is because of the emotional region of the brain. Uh, many athletes, they struggle with anxiety because the brain automatically treats performance as danger. Uh, this means that if you're going into a tennis match or a golf tournament or a baseball game um, and there could be something on the line like it's important to you and that's really all it needs to happen if it matters to you then as a result the brain will start to treat it as if it's a threat and when this occurs there is a psychophysically psychophysiological reaction that then presents itself where stress hormones will go off releasing cortisol and adrenaline throughout our body and to the untrained mind once that occurs we then have to somehow reason with this. So remember, this response occurs faster than our human thoughts. So once this occurs, then we're just left feeling really bad. And I'm sure every athlete who's listening to this can relate, but it's when you know you have tension in your body, your heart rate speeds up, your breathing gets shorter and faster, and you may feel your mind racing. And at that point, we have to make a decision. But let's think about what that means, because in most situations in life, when this occurs, it's because of something that's dangerous. And I shouldn't say most situations, but in actual dangerous situations. For example, a, you know, you're driving in a car and a car almost hits you. Well, that's a pretty scary situation. You feel the adrenaline, you feel the rush, and boom, your brain associates with that. Like, wow, you know what? I, I kept you safe there. That was a good response. But to the untrained mind in sports, we get a very similar response a lot of times. So then, as a result, our mind goes off into these negative thoughts, these worrying thoughts. And one of the traps that occurs is we try to figure out everything possible to keep us safe in the future so it doesn't happen. Now, my first question is, well, we know that there's nothing dangerous, but why do we still do this? And a big reason why is because our brain likes to generalize danger, likes to generalize fearful experiences. And when I say generalize, I mean really generalize what's happening. So 
if, you know, God forbid you almost got into a car accident, you're safe. That same experience then gets generalized into a tournament or competition, which is pretty incredible, right? Because the brain cares so much about keeping us safe that it would rather be wrong hundreds, if not thousands of times than be right. So it's up to us to now train our mind to overcome this natural response. But I want to talk particularly about one of the responses that occurs in the mind. And one of them is called compulsive checking behaviors. This I see a lot with athletes and we see it in in different forums. You know, one medium would be through checking websites to see uh, rankings of other competitors or teams. And athletes will look at that because they're trying to figure out, when I say they, it means more the primitive part of the brain is trying to figure out if they're going to be safe in that upcoming tournament or competition. And we'll go on this checking spree where the athlete will check rankings of other athletes, uh, teams, they want to see who they've competed against. And then they want to check all the results to see, oh, maybe I've also competed against them as well. And then somehow come to a conclusion or a better understanding of what is projected in the future, meaning what are the results most likely to be? But the most amazing part also about the brain is that even if we think we have it, the brain is more naturally geared towards protecting us. So it's still going to be on the negative side. And as a result, this only increases anxiety more. In fact, we know that when athletes keep checking and checking and checking, the only thing they discover is just more about what they already don't know. There are other forms that athletes use uh, to check, even Instagram, Instagram social media uh, may seem like something you're just checking and you have for your friends, but a lot of athletes I work with, they also follow other competitors and they're very aware of their results, their accomplishments. So if they see that they did well in a past game or a past meet, then the mind starts to race and those competitors become a threat. So imagine all this stuff is compiling, right? You have the websites that show statistics, right? Rankings, uh, wins, losses, and then you have the social media that shows the emotional response of how good they feel and how confident they must be and seeing them on that podium. And then in addition to that, we also have YouTube, which is a great source for knowledge, but sometimes it can be a trap as well. You have the athletes who are going on YouTube and researching other athletes to see their results and their playing styles. And then they try to form their own solution in their mind of this is how I need to compete against this athlete. And some of that is good. But oftentimes with their mind, to the untrained mind, it's never enough. So the athlete keeps checking more and more and more. So we're combining all of these different mediums and it just increases anxiety so much that I'm sure as you know very well, you get out there to compete and your body just feels overwhelmed and your mind is racing. And then we try to shut it off. Well, think about it. We've done the opposite, right? We've actually trained our mind to rapidly scan and be on the lookout for every possible thing and then out of nowhere just to silence it. So this is the big trap that many athletes face. And it's one that, you know, 
I find really it's an amazing, a kind of exciting topic to research and help with my athletes. There's this other part of it where our brain naturally favors stakes over odds. Now, what does that mean? Well, if we look at the odds of something occurring, um, let's take the likelihood of someone dying in a car accident versus a plane. I know that's a pretty negative topic, but it's just a good example. The odds are far different. So we know that if you have someone who is, you know, in a car, the odds of them dying are way higher than if they're in a plane. But when they did longitudinal studies, or not longitudinal, but they did quantitative studies to determine, you know, which mean of transportation, mode of transportation people felt more safe in, a majority of them chose a car. And the reason why they chose a car is because the stakes are so much higher in a plane, right? If you're in a car, then you get into an accident, there's a good chance you're going to make it. If you get into a plane accident, there's a good chance you're not going to make it. So our brain naturally favors stakes over odds. And this happens in sports, right? Our brain is favoring stakes. Even if the odds are, it's highly unlikely that you will have this terrible performance and do badly, the brain still says, hey, be careful because the stakes are that big. Here's a good example. Many athletes that I work with are in high school and they are pursuing a college scholarship. So a lot of their fears are underperforming in the presence of college coaches. Now, the brain is pretty amazing because it will get very creative in times like these and you'll have these athletes where they're afraid to compete because of the chances that a college coach could be there and then completely deny them the scholarship based on their performance. Well, one, the odds of them being there at that particular college, that particular moment watching are pretty low. And then the odds of that happening, especially if you believe you're a good player and you have that talent are extremely low as well. But they're looking at the stakes because that college means so much to them, right? In their eyes, they're perceiving that college as almost life or death. And that means that it has that level of value or meaning in their life. So, it's, it's amazing how the brain plays tricks on us and we have to be aware of these things. And then we have the compounding effect of parental behaviors. So how parents also play a role in this certainty trap. And a lot of times parents also struggle with it. You know, I work a lot with parents and you'll notice that, you know, if any parents are listening, you'll notice that you'll want to help your kids a little too much. You'll want to research for them. You'll want to be on top of things. You'll want to make sure that they're safe. And that is the same part of the brain that your athlete is struggling with. So that uncertainty trap then feeds into their uncertainty and then increases it more. So we have a this kind of compounding effect that's going on, right? You have the parents that'll then go to the coaches and they want reassurance from them and they want to make sure they're doing their job and sometimes they need that, but you know, they'll be there right in the middle of a workout or a practice. And a lot of times you'll even notice parents will want to coach and it could be in the car ride home or it could be at the dinner table. These are also certainty traps because no matter how much you try to protect your son or daughter and you try to do this, there's no certainty that they're going to be safe in competition.
And what it will do is increase your own anxiety. And children are great at picking up on that as well. They're going to feel that. Even if you say nothing, the day of competition, they feel that. And then they take that out there. And a lot of times they'll underperform because of it. In fact, many times when I first start working with athletes, we have to create little rules, right? Boundaries where, okay, maybe the first couple competitions, the parents are either not there. And this is if we notice a problem. If not, we don't do this. Or we distance it, right? We say, okay, well, instead of being this close to competition, you're going to be this far away. Distance does play a role in anxiety because it's less in their peripheral vision. So there's less chances of that anxiety part of the brain being activated in those key situations. So the other part I want to talk about is the solution side. You know, what what do we do? And, and, and I want to discuss some great examples of world-class athletes and their approach mentally to this certainty trap. And this is just kind of a, a little glimpse in their mind of what makes them so great. Because when we look at many athletes, especially at the world-class level, it's such a marginal difference between someone who's ranked 100 in the world and someone who's ranked top five. It's very marginal. So it's almost entirely based on the mind. And here's one big reason why. Let's take the first example. I want to talk about a golfer, a professional golfer named Brooks Kepka, who plays in the PGA Tour. He was ranked number one in the world at some point last year even. And specifically at the Open last year, which is one of the four majors, he was interviewed, the post-round interview after his first round, where he, I believe, finished within the top five. He had a very, a very good first day. One of the interviewers asked him a really great question. And one thing about Brooks that's amazing is that he's kind of a mental enigma with many uh, sports people in the world because they want to understand why is he so great. And they want to know his success in majors. Why, why is he so consistently good? And a lot of the answers that he's given really doesn't match up to what they're looking for. So one particular journalist, um, this journalist asked Brooks a question and said, you know, what is your thought process like when you go out there to compete? You know, what are you thinking? What are you telling yourself? And really what this journalist was getting at was this journalist was trying to figure out more detail, the thought process, the emotional balance, any type of routines, like the specifics. But Brooks's response was so simplistic. He answered with the statement that my caddy tells me where to go and I go. I'm okay with not knowing much. Of course, everyone's kind of blown away with this. They're like, no, there's no way. This is all you focus on. This is all you think about. To be great, there has to be something else, right? There has to be so much more to it. But if you really dissect what he mentioned, that is the exact mindset that you need to have to be a world-class athlete, right? My caddy tells me where to go and I go. This means he has a very high level of trust in his team. You see, trust eliminates doubt. So if he has a lot of trust going into his moments, then he doesn't need to second guess, right? He doesn't need to be more sure. And then he said, I'm okay with not knowing much. And that's exactly what athletes need to commit to. They need to be okay with. 
I'm okay with not knowing much. That means he needs very little information to commit and to trust. Now, this mindset, what it allows for Brooks Kepka and many world-class athletes is that it really gives them the ability to be more present and to go out there and to perform freely in the moment because there's nothing they need to protect. I mean, really think about it. The athletes who are listening in today, think about what it means right now to be okay with knowing less, right? If anything at all, right? Very, very little, little information. Also, as you're listening to this podcast, just think about all the things that you have been worrying about that are unnecessary. In fact, if we really broke this down, I'm sure it would be almost everything. Because we know that the highest level of sport, athletes are performing mostly at the subconscious level anyways. So you're not really thinking. And that's what Brooks was implying to the journalist. It's a phenomenal statement in very little words. Now, the second example I want to share with everyone comes from one of my childhood favorite athletes of all time. I grew up with this team. I watched them all the time as a kid. And it's from Michael Jordan. So ESPN came out with a really great documentary uh, a couple months ago called The Last Dance. And if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend watching it. It was excellent. In fact, it was based on the last year of the Chicago Bulls, um, mostly about Michael Jordan, but also about just the 90s and even the late 80s dynasty of the Chicago Bulls. And a lot of this footage was kept away or kind of locked away for 22 years. And they just released it. And one particular part of this documentary, uh, I just found very profound of what we're discussing right now. Um, there was a journalist who asked Michael Jordan, this was in the late 90s, so this was not recently, while he was playing. A reporter asked him, do you, have, do you ever have any doubts before taking the shot? And for those of you who know Michael Jordan, he's highly world-class, confident in himself. His belief system is just at another level. And his response to the reporter was, why would I think about a shot I haven't taken? So think about what that means. Why would I think about a shot I haven't taken? That goes beyond the first step of what we mentioned with Brooks Kepka. I'm okay with not knowing much. That is actually a belief system. And what Michael mentioned or what he meant by that was, I not only do I not need to know that, but I'm going to put everything in. I believe that as long as I have the ball in my possession, that that's all that matters. Everything that comes after that isn't relevant because he can't control it. You can't predict it. Right. And it's also not even helpful if you knew it, because all it's going to do is create more thinking. So literally what he's saying, and for every athlete who's listening, is that what he means by why would I think about a shot I haven't taken is why would I let any doubt occur in my mind before I've even committed to the act? And if you look at it that way, then doubt is unnecessary, right? It's not even a part of the equation. So as you go into your competitions, just ask yourself, well, why is doubt even necessary right now? Just go in and trust and be okay with whatever happens. In fact, I, I want to share one of many techniques that I 
work with with my athletes and it's, it's more so a state of mind and how do you approach situations and I'm going to give an example that is specific to golf but you can apply it in many many sports one of the struggles about golf is there's so much time in between shots so you have so much time to think but then that's also the advantage for those who are trained professionally with their mind because there's so much time to think they understand how to maximize their focus and their thought process so one common struggle that I often notice with golfers is when they're in tough situations, they worry more about external things outside of their control. When I say external, it's more about the visual stuff like, you know, where's the water? You know, where's the, where's the pin location? How about the wind, um, the conditions, right? And then they worry about what they can control versus they can't control in terms of their confidence with their shots. So they're afraid of going left or going right. And one mindset that really cuts out all of that fat, right? It cuts out all that mental, you know, that mental garbage is to say, you know what? I'm going to commit 100% to the shot and nothing else exists once the ball leaves the club face. So what they're saying is that they're going to go through their pre-shot routine. They're going to hit the shot. And then once the ball leaves the club face, nothing else in the world exists. Well, guess what happened there? They just eliminated 99% of the worry. And when I say worry, what's also happening is it's mental responsibility, right? We're taking on this mental and emotional responsibility that's unnecessary. So this is one approach that's been very helpful because we want to eliminate all that, right? Like less equals more. The less you take on, the better you're going to perform, the more free you're going to feel, the happier you're going to be as well. So Michael Jordan was onto something about 20 some years ago, probably since he started playing, and it's a phenomenal mindset. Now, what I want to discuss then kind of goes into a deeper level of how to eliminate the certainty trap altogether. And this is really kind of the underlying factor, the foundational principle of being free and feeling good out there and just being at peace, right? I think that's that's really the key. When I work with athletes, it's not necessarily about the results of, oh, I want to win more, or I want to earn more prize money, or I want to get this college scholarship, or I want to lower my handicap. It's not necessarily about that. Those are results. Of course, we're going after that, but that's not how we get there. How we really get there from a mental and emotional standpoint is getting the athlete to a point where they are at peace. Being at peace where you are present no matter what your circumstances are, no matter how tough the situation is, no matter who's watching, no matter what's at stake. And to get there, we have to understand what are your true values in that moment. So one of the most important skills in being able to reach this level is to be content to experience contentment. Now, what is contentment? Well, by definition, contentment is an emotional state of satisfaction. The key word here is an emotional state, not a physical, not a superficial, not an external. It is an emotional state of satisfaction. It's an ease in one situation, mind and body, and a state of accepting one's situation. That is contentment. That is peace. Now, I want to 
really be clear about this because a lot of times athletes and individuals, we get confused with contentment and complacency. Complacency is not what I'm talking about. Complacency is being okay with where you are and that's good enough. No, world-class athletes or athletes at really any level, you're there because you want to get better. So we're not talking about wanting to feel complacent, right? Contentment means you could be struggling that day. You could be off. You could be going through an injury, a slump, and you're still at peace in the present, no matter what, because you're at peace with who you are, not what you've done or what you need to do. And that is one of the keys as an athlete. You want to experience contentment. You want to be able to go out there as one of your primary goals and say, okay, my goal is to be content today. And think about what that means. What's it going to look like for you to be content, to feel content? Because what's happening instead for most athletes is you go out there and you're like, no, I'm missing something. I need to go out there to grab what I'm missing. It's almost a void in us. But that void in us is what's making it harder to perform to our full potential. Because we are striving. In other words, we are forcing our performance out there. If you're content, you can still go out there and give 100%. You can be highly focused. You're at another level of confidence. You're at peace whether you are dominating in that performance or whether you are just hanging on. A lot of times when you see world-class athletes and they're content, they are embracing the pressure. It's almost as if athletes, they, they don't want it to end. They want it to continue. So one of the goals is to really understand and commit to contentment. Now, for some of you athletes, probably thinking, well, how do I do that? How do I get to a place of peace and contentment? Well, I'll give you one way of doing so. Let's look at everything that you're chasing right now. And for everyone here, it could be something different. And when I say chasing, I'm talking mostly about accolades such as maybe you know winning more, podium recognition from others, acknowledgement, improving ranking, prize money, different lifestyle, all of that. Those are the external things in an athlete's life and what they're chasing. Could be a college scholarship, playing for a specific program. Now, all those things that I discussed there, those are all external. Those are all things outside of you. And what I want you to do is think about all of those things and start stripping them away from you. Start taking them away one by one, removing them until you don't have any, until none of those are left in your mind. And now once all of those things are out of your mind, now I want you to ask yourself, what makes me happy? Why do I love to compete? Why do I love this sport? And when you found that, that is your contentment because that cannot change based on external factors, external things. Here's a specific thing for me. I played college tennis at a pretty high level university. I played for Barry University, it was top division two program in the country. And one of the biggest struggles was just that because everything externally was at such a high level that it was pretty tough. I'll give you guys a little insight on this, pretty amazing, but 
the first day I show up to Miami and I'm looking for the coach and I walk by the courts and I see these two guys ripping the ball. And later on, I had dinner with one of the guys who was playing. And one of the guys who was playing, he played number one for the university. He was eight in the country. He also at the time would take weekend trips to train with Andy Roddick, who was number one or number two in the world at the time. And while we're having dinner, he asked me, Patrick, do you know who I was hitting with? And I thought that guy was just another amazing college player. But he said, no, that guy is ranked 234 in the world, ATP. So imagine the external distractions and how that heightens anxiety being in an environment like that. So those things can take away a lot from us. It can increase anxiety, take away happiness, make us feel like we have a void. Now, when we look at what's intrinsic, what is internal, right? That's what we're getting at when we're talking about contentment. We have to look at what truly makes us happy. If we're to strip away all of that, what matters? And then we can add it in competition. And for everyone, it's different, but I want to share what it is for me. What it is for me is just... I love to feel the ball come off the racket clean. I love it. It's the best feeling. And it's really that search for consistency and flow in just feeling that experience over and over and over. And then adding it to the competitive nature of just enjoying that competition, meaning enjoying it for the act itself, just enjoying facing it and then seeing how far you can go with it. That's contentment. And it doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter who you're up against. It doesn't matter how you're feeling. Just really allowing yourself to experience that and enjoy that. So I hope that example kind of sheds a little more light on your own situation. Because when you can find that peace, the other stuff will come without you needing to focus on it. And it's also not necessary. It's what's robbing you of your happiness. So... Once again, I hope this podcast served as um, a lot of value in your life, and I definitely suggest even listening to it more than once to understand some of these concepts. But this is something that I work a lot with with my athletes because it's not just about the mental part of the game. It's also about the emotional. So please check out also the website. The website is um, listed in the bio. Check out the domain there. Also, I do have a new YouTube channel. It's called SPMI TV, and I will be posting this video on there as well. So if you're interested, please check that out. Also, you may leave comments below. I'd love to hear your comments because I want to get some ideas on what other topics everyone's interested in. Also, the experiences you've gone through, those are all just really helpful because this podcast that I just started is for you guys. It's to help athletes, parents, and coaches really not only perform at the highest level, but to enjoy it, right? To go out there and enjoy it. You should enjoy your hard work. doesn't mean hard work is always enjoyable, but you should be able to to go out there and enjoy it. So that is something I'm interested in in learning more. And we're going to have a lot of content. I'm going to be sharing um, new topics every week. So please subscribe to this channel or to this podcast as well. And um, really looking forward to it. Also, as I mentioned before, you know, go check out the website it is on the bio. I do work a lot with athletes one-on-one, uh, not just in person, but of course with the whole COVID situation, 
online. I've been doing this for almost 10 years online as well. The technology is great now. It wasn't so great back then, but now it's excellent. So we can do this from anywhere in the world. Um, I also work in group settings and um, some courses will be coming out by the end of the year. They're going to be phenomenal. So please be on the look for that. But I look forward to uh, our next podcast and I hope everyone has a great day. And until then.